Friends, will you join with me now in our prayer of illumination as we pray together? Loving God, by the power of your Spirit, help us to approach your word. Remind us of those people whose stories we might not always notice. Show us how these hidden figures fit into your larger purpose and help us to hear and understand from their lives how you are calling us to live today. Amen. A reading from the prophet Jeremiah. Then Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and all the people, saying, It is the Lord who sent me to prophesy against this house and this city, all the words you have heard. Now, therefore, amend your ways and your doings, and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord will change his mind about the disaster that he has pronounced against you. But as for me, here I am in your hands. Do with me as seems good and right to you. Only know for certain that if you put me to death, you will be bringing innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and its inhabitants. For in truth, the Lord sent me to you to speak all these words in your ears. Then the officials and all the people said to the priests and prophets, This man does not deserve the sentence of death. For he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. And some of the elders of the land arose and said to all the assembled people, Micah of Moraseth, who prophesied during the days of King Hezekiah of Judah, said to all the people of Judah, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Zion will be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooded height. Did King Hezekiah of Judah and all Judah actually put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord? And did not the Lord change his mind about the disaster that he had pronounced against them? But we are about to bring disaster on ourselves. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. About a year ago, during a 35th anniversary trip, I have a picture here, Logan. Um, Alan and I got to go to Alaska, and we got to cruise into Glacier National Park. There, like so many people, and like many of you, I know, we had that experience of watching huge chunks of ice cab off freshwater glaciers into the salt water of Glacier Bay. And as you know, it's an awesome thing to see. It's loud, it's majestic, it's actually how icebergs are formed farther north in the cold waters of the North Atlantic. Dense fresh water, you see, it sinks into the salt water. And then it begins to travel in ocean currents. And, and as you know, here's the most interesting part. Because of the density of fresh water, most of the iceberg right? Almost 90% of it lies below the surface of the water. You can't see it. The vast majority of the ice is hidden from sight. So it's no wonder that philosophers and writers have been captivated by the idea of the iceberg. You see, it's a natural example of something that we experience all the time. It's a metaphor 
for the small amount we can know of the infinite and complex world we live in. Think about it. In a relationship that's troubled or tricky, in a situation that's difficult or confusing, in a finished product of any kind, what you see on the surface, what you can truly know, what you can comprehend, it's usually just a small fraction of what's going on. Most of what's actually happening within the person that you're struggling to relate to, it's hidden, right? And most of the complexity of a difficult situation, it remains hidden as well. Hence the phase, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Most of what went into the creation of a book or a piece of art or a great family experience or a great company culture, it stays hidden. It stays below the surface. Believe me, when Emily or Claire or I write a sermon, 90% of the things we think or feel or consider including in the 1,600 words that we're going to speak, they remain hidden on Sunday morning. Thanks be to God, right? <laughs> right. So this summer, we're going to dive into that 90% of biblical characters that receive little attention, whose stories actually exist below the surface of our memory. Every week we're going to look at a minor or unnamed character, a mysterious or misunderstood character from the vast, deep waters of Scripture. Every week we will explore a hidden figure. Now, right about now, I'm hoping that someone out there wants to ask the question, why? Right? Why would we do such a thing? Why focus on the hidden figures in Scripture? They're hidden for a reason. I mean, not everyone is a Bible nerd like your pastors, right? Why do this? Well, hold that thought and keep that question open because our first hidden figure, Micah of Moriseth, provides a few answers. Micah of Moriseth. He's only mentioned one time in the Bible, in this passage we just read in the 26th chapter of Jeremiah. He was an 8th century prophet of Israel which means he prophesied at the same time as some of the greatest prophets, Isaiah, Amos, Hosea. We do have record of his prophecies in the book of the Minor Prophets, and we know from there that he did, like many of the other prophets of the 8th century, stand up to the kings of Judah he called them to have more faith in God. He called them to treat refugees and orphans and the rural poor with compassion. He called them to stop making alliances with evil rulers in the region. He called them to be leaders, the leaders that God's people needed. And then Micah did the unthinkable. He prophesied that Judah and Jerusalem itself would crumble and fall because of the king's sin, because of the nation's sin. We have no idea what became of Micah. 
There are no details of his life anywhere except for this small passage we just read. But we do know that in his lifetime, one king, King Hezekiah, one king repented of his ways and that Judah and Jerusalem continued a fragile existence for another century. Fast forward a hundred years And now we are reading about the great, well-known, well-remembered prophet Jeremiah. And we hear that he's delivering a similar message to a new, more evil king, King Jehoiakim. And he says many of the same things Micah said a hundred years earlier. Jerusalem's going to fall. Judah will be destroyed. And it's because of your evil. It's because of your sin and the sin of the religious elite that God will allow this to happen. Well, King Jehoiakim had no stomach for prophets that crossed him or made him look bad. So Jeremiah's life is at stake in this passage we just read. And that's when suddenly, out of the blue, the elders, whoever they are, remember the words of a prophet from 100 years earlier a prophet named Micah of Moraseth. You know, good king, they said. This prophet Micah, he said something similar to good king Hezekiah. And good king Hezekiah didn't put him to death. Perhaps you could do the same for Jeremiah. Maybe it will help. Maybe it will help like it helped 100 years ago to honor God's prophet. And would you believe it? It worked. Jeremiah lived, and he prophesied another decade, and he saw Judah and Jerusalem through its darkest moment of destruction, political ruin, and exile. But here's the deal. Nowhere in Scripture, besides Jeremiah 26, does it record anywhere that Hezekiah and Micah had a conversation Nowhere is it suggested that Micah played any role in calling King Hezekiah to faithfulness. No, when the story of Hezekiah is told in 2 Kings, in Chronicles, in the book of Isaiah, it is Isaiah, the well-known, well-remembered prophet Isaiah, that is the one who is told has a positive influence on Hezekiah, the one who calls that king and those people to faithfulness and gives them another hundred years of peace. Micah's nowhere to be found in the history books of Judah or Israel. And the Christian church hasn't done much better by Micah. Micah literally said many of the exact same things as his contemporary Isaiah, Amos, and Hosea. Just like Isaiah, he announced the redemption of Israel. He spoke of a time when a Davidic king would come, the Messiah would come, take the place of sinful human kings. He even spoke of swords being beaten into plowshares. Does that sound familiar? But I guarantee you, you know those words from Isaiah, not Micah. And you probably know Amos's thundering judgment, not Micah's. And you know Hosea's tender, heartbroken words from God's mouth, not Micah's. Truthfully, if Micah hadn't been the only prophet to talk of a little town called Bethlehem, 
we might skip him altogether during the Christmas season. Here's my point. Micah is a hidden figure in Scripture, even though we have some of his words, because he's completely overshadowed by his contemporaries. I mean, who can compete with the great prophet Isaiah, right? Micah is a hidden figure in Scripture, hardly remembered because there were so many heroic actors in that day and time. Micah is a hidden figure in Scripture because history doesn't record his contribution, doesn't value his place. But, but, God doesn't see things the way we see things. God doesn't place value upon actors and players in the story of faith the way history books might do so. To God, nothing is hidden. Ironically, it is Isaiah who reminds us of this. Isaiah 40, 27, why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord and my way is disregarded by my God? To God, nothing is hidden. No heroic act, no faithfulness, no love, no sacrifice, and God uses it all. Those 10% of actions, words, and intentions that are seen and those 90% that are unseen and hidden. God uses it all to work out God's purposes. It was Micah, the memory of Micah's words that saved Jeremiah's life, that kept God's story moving forward. A hundred years after they were spoken, long after the history had been written, without his name included. Do you remember that question? The question from the beginning of my sermon that I wanted you to remember, why? Why spend the summer exploring hidden figures of the Bible? Why dive into the 90% of background, minor, hidden characters in God's grand story of grace? Well, here's what I think. I think that these hidden characters, these hidden figures challenge us And I believe these hidden figures inspire us. These hidden figures challenge us to never underestimate God's capacity to use minor things for major purposes. Right? To never underestimate a kind act at just the right moment. A tough word holding someone to account in private a gift of major proportion from a very small bank account. No, God uses minor things for major purposes, and we have no excuse, no excuse for holding back our faith, our hope, or our love. And these hidden figures inspire us to remain faithful when our contributions are hidden. When no one knows or cares about our actions or intentions, because to God they are not hidden. And frankly, God is the only audience that matters. Let's face it, friends. I love you, but I'm going to tell you the truth. No matter what you think, each of us in this room, we're really minor players in the kingdom of God. 
I love you, but it's true. And this wonderful church, if we're going to be off, honest, we are often just a minor player in the kingdom of God. And friends, that is okay. In fact, I believe it's the everyday faithfulness and the steady movement forward of the 90% of hidden figures of grace that builds the kingdom of God. So, when you feel like what you think and say and do is lauded in others but not in you, when you feel like your contributions are hidden and unnoticed, when you feel like others around you have more skill, can create more beauty, can love more fully, can live more passionately, when you feel you have no place in God's kingdom because you aren't building something visible for all to see, when you think your intentions, your actions, your love, your faith doesn't matter and doesn't show, remember, nothing is hidden from God and everything you are and everything you bring God uses for the kingdom. Everything, the hidden 90% that isn't visible and useful, isn't visible, is useful to God. It's not only useful to God, it's essential to God. Friends, Micah is a model for minor players in the kingdom like you and like me. Micah is a model for those ready to let go of the idol of being seen, of being important, of being on top of the iceberg for everyone to admire. Micah is a model for those ready to take a place, undergirding, supporting, and encouraging a hidden place so that the grace of God will not be hidden in our world. You know, um, Micah had a life verse long before life verses were in vogue, a verse that would be important for each of us to remember, a verse for those who want to take their place among the hidden figures of mercy and grace, filling this world in the name of Jesus. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness. That can also be translated to love in season and out of season. And to walk humbly, carefully, even prudently with your God. To do justice to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God day after day, week after week, year after year. When it shows that 10% of the time and when it's hidden, the 90% of the time, friends, that is what the world needs more of. That is what the kingdom of God is built upon. That is what God requires of each of us. Amen.